You're listening to The Upland Rookie, a podcast presented by Upland Brits. Welcome to the Upland Rookie Podcast. I'm your host, Will Larson, and as always, this is presented by Upland Brits. Also brought to you by Gunner Kennels. At Gunner, they are proud to say that they've helped keep thousands of pets safe on the road because every detail of their crate is designed and tested in real world conditions. Man's best friend deserves man's best kennel. That's a gunner kennel. Also brought to you by Yukonuba Premium Performance Lineup. Check them out at yukonubasportingdog.com. Also brought to you by Trinity Bretons at Trinity Bretons, home of the Epignol Breton, also known as the French Brittany. All Trinity Breton dogs are from champion bloodlines that are field tested and family approved. Check them out at trinitybretons.com. And lastly, Pointer Traditions. If you're looking for a new dog collar, a new leash, uh, a bird strap, you're going to want to check out pointertraditions.com and use promo code ROOKIE15, that's ROOKIE15, for 15% off your order today. Uh, I know we're getting close to Christmas, but hey, you never know. Get those last minute orders in uh, and... uh, and, and tell them I sent you over to Pointer Tradition. So, anyways, David, thank you uh, over there. Hey, what's going on? So, we got a lot to cover. Thanks for joining me on episode 32 here of the podcast. Uh, we got a couple things to buzz through before we get to our interview uh, on this episode. So, uh, I promised you last week uh, some commonly asked questions I was going to address here on the opening segment. So, first off, hope you're doing well. I uh, hope you're ready for Christmas here. Um, just get ready to enjoy some time with your family and maybe out in the field with your dogs, uh, friends, whatever that might look like for you. Um, I just came off uh, a quick one day hunt uh, this past weekend with my buddy Zach and um, had a blast. It felt really good to get out there with my dogs and um, wind worked really well. Um, I keep forgetting she is only, I guess she's 11 months now. Yeah, she'll turn 11 months here in a couple days and man, she's she's just really impressing me. And and so really, I'm just feeling thankful for that. Uh, thankful for time you know out in the field with friends and my dog. So um, hope you're able to get out there as well. Uh, enjoy some time chasing uh, these late season birds. Um, there's nothing better, nothing better than getting out there, um, you know, getting your dog on some birds and whether you get a shot or not, it's, it's the experience. Uh, I think that's what keeps... A lot of us coming back uh, time and time again. Um, man, we drive some crazy miles, don't we? I was just thinking about this uh, this week. And not just miles, but I mean, some weird hours too. I mean, I was up at three something and out of the house by a little after four uh, in the morning to, to go hunting. And I'm driving. I'm like, why do we freaking do this? This <laughs> is kind of crazy. But um, it's fun. It's all for the dogs, really. Um, but anyways, we're going to jump in here. Um I had a couple notes here written down. Christmas time, yeah, it's coming. Best time of year, man. Best time of year. Thanksgiving kicks off the, the season of the holidays, and I just love everything through December. It's just a great time. Um, busy, crazy time, but still really fun. Um, gifts for bird dogs. Do you guys freaking do gifts for your dogs? 
I don't. I don't. I probably know some people who do. That's nothing wrong with that. Um, I used to, I think. I had golden retrievers growing up, and I used to get them a, a bone and, I don't know, some some stuffed animals. But um, I don't know. The wife might, might pick them something up. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't think of it. I don't think of uh, getting my dogs a Christmas gift. I don't know why. I'm kind of a jerk. I'll give them some extra food maybe. I don't know. Maybe they'll like that. <laughs> Both of them are very, very food motivated. So we'll see. We'll see if I get them anything. But uh, yeah, do you guys get your dogs Christmas presents? Or do you get them birthday presents? I know but my buddy Jeremy, I think he gets a dog. Uh, his dog's like a, he makes them, bakes them a cake or gets a McDonald's or something on their birthday. So what do you guys do? What are you doing for your bird dogs? Christmas, birthday presents? I don't know. That, that might be a whole other episode. Um, anyways, uh, commonly asked question. Just a couple here. Uh, a couple of you guys wrote in. Um, but I've, I've kind of compiled a list of uh, some things that get, get asked to me quite a bit through direct messages. But um, <laughs> number one, kennel size. I, th- I might have talked about this last week. Um, kennel size. I, I run um, uh, medium gunners, uh, for both my Brits and they, they're great. I have two in the garage, two in the truck and, uh, they fit good in them. I think gauge is 21 at the shoulders, uh, 21 high or tall. Um, and he's right about 38, 39 pounds. And so, yeah, he fits in the medium. Great. Um, you just really have to, yeah, just ask people questions. I found just getting reference points of asking, you know, people how big their dog is maybe, or what kennel they have. It can help you get a good idea. Um, when I was picking out kennel sizes, I also, I actually built kind of a, um, a, a rep, uh, a mock mock-up of my kennels <laughs> of what the dimensions were. And I put my dogs in it and just to try to see, cause it's, it's an investment. I'm not gonna lie. It's, it's an investment to, uh, to pick up a new kennel. And, uh, so I built like a little, little, yeah, mock up and uh, put gauge in there, and I was like, all right, I think I think the medium's it. So <laughs> that actually really, really helped me. So kennel size, uh, medium gunners I run. I've also ran the, the medium rufflins uh, for years, or not the medium intermediate uh, rufflins I ran for years, and um, those are really good size as well. So those are what I run for my dogs. Uh, new puppy, I get asked a lot of you know what to do with new puppy. I've talked a lot about just you know low pressure, just enjoy that puppy. A lot of people freak out and and think they have to gun intro the dog at, at 12 weeks. Um, again, it's lots of, di- I'm not a trainer and, you know, lots of different, you know, methods there, but, um, just enjoy that puppy, um, teach him to be a good citizen in the house. Um, so that's, that's a pretty popular question that gets asked to me quite often, but yeah, I mean, and, and I don't want to underestimate the importance of getting them on birds and getting them out in the field and going for walks, you know, get out to an open space by your house or, you know, get to some land where you can, you know, get them off leash and walk and have them follow you if they're real young. And as they get older, they'll, they'll start, you know, getting out in front of you a little more. And, and that's the thing too, you know, you don't think about getting them to work out in front of you. That's, that's something they have to kind of figure out as well. And they, you don't want them behind you or on the side of you. So more opportunities you have to, to get them out, uh, working, walking, whatever it might be, uh, get creative. I, I know I got super creative. I had to, uh, just based on where I live, you know, finding some open spaces, going at weird times where no one would be there. So, um, it's what you do when you, when you live in the burbs, uh, like I do. So, um, another one I get asked <clears throat> pretty darn often is, uh, EB versus AB, uh, American Brit versus, uh, Epignol Breton. <clears throat> Again, I've talked about just my style gunner has moved on. I, I sold him uh, a few months back early fall. Um, he's up, uh, living his best life in, uh, I think Minnesota. 
Yeah, I think we I think he's up in Minnesota or Wisconsin. I forget. Um, but yeah, so I, I, yeah, personal preferences on, on range and style and temperament of the dog. Um, there are some differences. Um, again, just came down to a preference of I really enjoy the American Brits. Uh, their range, their personalities were, were similar with the ABEB, but um, I just I like the American Brits a little better. I like their the look, their build, their height, their just. It really came down to preference for me. So it's, it's really going to be a personal choice for you. I know Josh at Trinity Bertans, they, they do produce some amazing uh, Epignol Bertans. So they, they can be a great dog. <clears throat> I know a lot. I know some guys are, are uh, running uh, Epignol Bertans out in the Chucker Hills, in the Grouse Woods, in the, in the Plains. Um, just I, I just wanted a bigger running dog, and, and Gunner, Gunner wasn't that for me. So, um, yeah. But it's going to come down to a personal preference. If you if you have ever specific, or, you know, if you want me to get nitty gritty, shoot me a message and we can talk a little more. But that's another question I get quite often. It's not every day you have someone that had uh, had both both of those Britneys. So, anyways, um, another one I get quite a bit, um, kind of on the training side, is force fetch because um, I think most, a lot of you saw I, I force fetch. I did a DIY force fetch on Gage last you know, a year and a half ago now. Yeah, maybe a year and a half, almost two years ago. Um, and, and, and woe training. A lot of people ask me about woe training. I, I took him through that uh, this past summer. And uh, so I, I won't touch on, on woe training. I'm still figuring, you know, completely breaking a dog myself. And so I'm, I'm no, no one to give advice on that. There's some really good guys out there if you want to talk to, um, you know, more specific about woe training. I'm working with my mentor a lot. Um, on, on getting them to that process. One regret is I didn't start Gage early enough. I started him really late. Um, yes, I know it can be done with an, a little bit older dog, but um, I started him really late. And so, <clears throat> and, and he had basically four full seasons of, of chasing the shit out of birds um, uh, hunting. So it, it was it was harder, I would say. A lot of people said it was it was probably harder for me starting with him at that age. Um, so talk with, talk with the trainer, talk with someone, you know, we can talk a little bit more about you. I went through the Smith method. I'll probably do that same method for, uh, win. Um, not, not for a little while. I'm gonna let her get through her first hunting season. Um, I don't want to take any range out of her. Um, she's like a bat out of hell. And so I really like that when she's out in the field. And so I want her to have fun and chase for a season. And, uh, so maybe next late summer this year, I might work on that. Um, and I, I do want to trial her in some, uh, some AKC trials. So I'm going to kind of work towards that with her. Um, you learn a lot with your second dog. You really do. <laughs> Force vets on gauge. Uh, so I did a lot of DIY research on that online, um, just doing YouTube videos and, uh, yeah, just it's kind of set up a little DIY station in my garage. Um, consistency, what I was doing back when I was, I was doing this, I would, uh, I would do it three times a day, sometimes four times. I'd come home on lunch break, get a couple sessions in a force fetch and it was just repetition, repetition. And I was committed to it for a solid month and a half maybe. And, uh, dang golly, he's, he's freaking force fetch now. Um, and he's, he's picking up birds left and right. He'll pick up, you know, pretty much whatever I ask. Um, so that's been pretty cool. That was, you know, I was proud of the, the time I put in and, and the result that, that paid off with that. So I would just say with force fetch, um, again, do your research, ask questions, research, you know, what method works for you. But, um, that was, uh, yeah, that was, that was a cool experience to do with him and to see the result now paid off, uh, worked really well. So that was maybe, like I said, maybe two years ago on that, but, um, yeah, repetition don't, don't let up on it. I just, I went hard for a month and a half, maybe a month. Um, 
and it it paid off so stick stick with it um yeah, i think you'll have good results um <coughs> excuse me still getting over this cold but yeah i think that's that's really all, kind of all the things i wrote down for now there's kind of some of the commonly asked questions that i get here um on the podcast um so a couple uh just house cleaning items i'm going to be taking a about a two-week break i'm going uh doing a little some stuff over christmas a little traveling all that good stuff um so i'll be back early mid-january probably uh second tuesday in january we'll have an episode out of the podcast so stay tuned for that um but i have a super uh super fun episode for you today uh chris majette Yes, I got it right. Chris Majette uh, is on the podcast with us uh, today. He's running some Boykin Spaniels. Uh, really excited uh, to dive into more of these dogs and, and learn more about them. Um, I'm freaking interested. I, I even started looking at litters. Don't tell my wife. Um, <laughs> no, I don't, th- I don't think I could deviate from the Brit. But um, these, water, these water Spaniels, uh, they, they're cool dogs, man. They look cool. They're about the size of a Brit. Uh, which I really like. And so anyways, I really love this conversation with Chris. Um, we talk all about his, uh, his flight delays and traveling experiences that he has. Uh, he, he keeps us entertained pretty well uh, on the old Instagram. So anyways, guys, Merry Christmas. Thank you, uh, every every single person for uh, tuning into the podcast, downloading it, sharing it. Um, it's meant a lot to me. Um, like I've said a long time ago, it's been something I've wanted to do for a while. And yeah, thanks for following along in the journey this this year, 2021. Uh, I think I started this in maybe April. And so really grateful for, uh, for the support uh, from each and every person. Um, looking forward to 2022 and uh, staying strong and, and uh, hunting more uh, with my dogs. But um, last thing, I know Spotify released or finally updated uh, and they're doing a rate and review system, kind of like Apple Podcasts. So if you do me a, a, a real quick favor before we get into this conversation or while you're listening to it, uh, if you listen on Spotify, would you go over there, uh, leave a rating and review? Uh, that would really mean a lot. Like I say, it gets out to uh, helps get the podcast out to more hunters just like you. Thanks so much, guys. Cool. Are you guys getting any of that uh, crazy weather? Uh, crazy wind. Yeah. 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 Um, it's been unreal. Uh, yeah. My buddy's in Iowa right now and he's, okay. I think they're getting up to 80 miles an hour. Yeah. Yeah. So some of the, the higher peaks here up in the mountains have, I've heard like 85, something like that. Mm. Um, so down where we are, we're closer to Denver. Um, gosh, we've probably gotten 60 mile an hour winds. Like it's been crazy. Yeah. So it's it's been, I know. So, it's been, yeah. But no, no other, like I th- there must be a storm front moving in, but um, no, like no rain, no snow, nothing like that. It's just the, just the wind. So yeah, it's been kind of crazy, but yeah, man. So, uh, so we'll kind of just jump in here, but, uh, Chris put us on the map, man. Where, uh, where do you call home? Um, so home is, um, Newport news, Virginia. It's in the Hampton roads area, kind of your Norfolk, Waynesburg, Virginia beach area, um, right on the bay. So gotcha. Virginia's home just never there. <laughs> we'll get into that a lot more. Um, you might be one of my, I think I've had, uh, Brooke, I interviewed, she was on the East coast, Ohio. You might be the furthest East person I've, I've interviewed on this podcast. Yeah, There's not, there's not many, uh, upland opportunities out there. I'm sure we'll get into that too, but, um, yeah, no, that's cool, man. So we're trying, I'm trying to, you know, spread out a little bit, get out from the, <laughs> you know, well, get I, people I from, from, to, not from the uh, Midwest. I listened to the, Jonathan and uh, what Emily and what was it Cody the team? Oh Flusher. yeah, yeah, Team Flusher, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're I, East Coast as well. 
Yeah. Well, I, you know, as long as this intro goes smoother than, than that one, I'll be okay with it. <laughs> I was talking to Jonathan the other day. So that was awesome, man. That, that it, it threw me off. I think more so in that episode, because there was three of them, but they were all together in one room. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, it was so hard to like, okay, who's talking, who's in, like, who's answering. And so that was, uh, that was good memories right there. <laughs> it was a good podcast. Though. I liked it. I mean, well, good. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad. I, I have to, I mean, I'll just say to my audience right now, I mean, I probably sound like shit right now. I have a head cold. And so um, if I sound like I'm breathing through my mouth, it's because I am. Um, so <laughs> this will, this will be interesting. Um, and then, yeah, Chris, just kind of give me a little, like a little overview. Like who, who is Chris and pronounce your last name for everyone, please. Uh, yeah. Last name is Majet. Um, Jet. Yeah. Like I was telling you the other day, actually we are down the outer banks, North Carolina. Um, they still pronounce it midget and they were ran, um, the coast guard stations down there, which I don't know if you're familiar with the area, but they call it the graveyard of the Atlantic because the sandbar shifts so much. Um, mm. so really up until, you know, early 1900s, um, the coast guard stations down there were, I mean, they're still important, but they're very important back in the mm. day. So, yeah. um, the midgets were running the coast guard stations and actually did a lot of decoy carving, um, in the outer banks, they use wood bases and a canvas top. So it's not all hmm. wood because oh, really? they don't have much wood down there. They just had boats and sailcloth. So, um, yeah, so I'm kind of from that whole area. I mean, the outer banks isn't far from me, maybe an hour and a half tops. Um, but, you know, uh, lifelong waterfowler, um, kind of got into upland a couple years ago. Um, did, a, I do a little bit of fishing. We do a lot of, um, Cobia fishing, rockfish or striped bass. Um, just enjoy being outdoors. Um, and I read a lot, you know, sitting in the hotel rooms by myself, which I'm sure we're going to get into also, but yeah. Just, yeah, uh, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Good. So, so fishing, just a touch on sidetrack. Uh, <laughs> I mean, decent, like again, where, whenever you are home, uh, mm -hmm. is there pretty good fishing opportunities where you can go, go to a local kind of lake or something? Yeah. Like that? Um, so most of it's either, most of our like the rivers and and obviously the bay um i don't do a lot of fresh water um like i said we do a lot of cobia in the summertime uh rockfish right now my buddy's texting me they're catching a bunch of trout um okay. the best rock fishing up until maybe the 70s or the 80s was over in virginia beach i mean it was a world-renowned uh rock really? fish. Um, oh, wow. yeah there's a couple documentaries on youtube about it that's pretty interesting um yeah so I mean, I, I'll do some, you know, fish in the lake, but typically it's on the bay, bigger water, tautog, spade fish, gotcha. flounder, all, all that good stuff. So gotcha. That's awesome. So when, when did you move out? So you were, it sounds like you were originally from North Carolina, Outer Banks. Is that correct? Or? No, so I was actually Navy brat. Um, the, okay. I was actually born in California. I didn't live there very long, Gotcha. Um, okay. but raised mostly in Virginia, went to college down South Carolina for a few years and then, uh, found my way back to Virginia. I probably should have stayed in Charleston, South Carolina, cause that's just a special place. But, uh, you know, I go down there and visit every now and then. So I'm in, I'm in Virginia. That's what I call home. Cause I was pretty much raised there. That's cool, man. That's cool. That's where all the <laughs> South Carolina is like what Nicholas sparks heaven down there. Yeah. They <laughs> actually shot, um, God, I don't know what movie it was, but, um, I went to Citadel, which is a, a military college down there. And, okay. um, I remember they shot one of his movies, um, on the backside of the campus near the marsh. Oh, okay. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean that place is just gorgeous. I mean, oh yeah, it sounds awesome. I, I think my wife's been there a couple times, but um, have yet to uh, yet to get down there. So definitely on my list. Yeah, you'll love it. I mean, it's a it's a nice. I mean, it's built up a little bit in the last five ten years, but food's good. People are nice. Weather's great. Um, can't beat it. So yeah, yeah. If, you, if you have the opportunity to go, I definitely tell you head on down there. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, all right. So if anyone knows, we're just going to jump right into this. This is the million <laughs> million dollar question. Um, I, I told this to you a couple of days ago that it's highly entertaining to me. I go on social media and uh, I will try to, I'll go to your page sometimes or look at your stories. And I'm so entertained by the uh, travel delays and, and the amount that you travel. You're, you're flying on flights constantly. And my guess is maybe, uh, I don't know, my guess is probably 80% of your flights are canceled or delayed in some way or another. <laughs> Can you it's talk about that a little bit? It's, it's very fascinating. Expand a little bit. Just on like, why, like, why are you traveling so much and, and kind of what's going on there? Yeah. So I, um, I'm a consultant. So, I mean, it's a little bit of sales, but, um, you know, we, we do everything from sales processes. Uh, this week I'm working with the dealership as far as, um, customer service, um, service departments, you know, getting the customer in and out as quickly as possible. We do marketing, budgeting, um, all that stuff. So we, we actually have to be, on site with our accounts, um, gotcha. you know, cause if we weren't on site, we'd say, Hey, are you doing this? And they go, yeah, we do it. But <laughs> sure. You're like, are you really call. right? Exactly. So, um, yeah, I've done it for, uh, seven years now, I guess. Um, and flights. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I probably, there was a stretch last three months or so, or pretty much every trip I had at least one delay or cancellation. Um, it used to not be so bad. And then, um, you know, with COVID, Actually, during COVID last year, it was great traveling because nobody was in the airports. I mean, oh, it, was sure. like a, it was like a ghost town. Yeah, um, I remember I got on one zip flight. from one place to another. Yeah, there were four people on one of my flights <laughs> that probably held 60 to 70. It was, it was nice. Um, <laughs> but I probably travel, it's like 200, 250,000 miles a year. Um, wow. Typically, every two or three days, I'm flying somewhere else. Um, leave Sunday, go to one city, leave Tuesday, go to another city, come home Friday unpack do laundry and pack back up for Sunday. Uh, so you're, you're not home very much at all. No, no. And I think that's what I was telling you. My, my two Boykins, my older one, I trained myself cause that was before I did this job. Um, my young one, I'm just not home enough you know, to yeah. actually oh, do sure. any training with them. But, um, you know, it's nice. Uh, my, my company's pretty flexible with, um, understanding my needs from September to February. That, sure. uh, so I was able to take a couple trips this year. Um, and then when I do take trips, you know, from flying or from getting a hotel room, I have the hotel points, so don't have to pay for a hotel. Sure, um, sure. So I mean, there's good and bad, but um, yeah, pros and cons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of delays. I try to entertain you guys because I'm like, man, this sucks. I might as well have somebody <laughs> laugh at it. You know. Um, well, well, you got one fan right here, man. It's it's a highly entertaining. I think you need to keep uh, track though of of kind of like how many are delayed. Cause it, I, I it just wish, seems like every time, every week there's like, <laughs> you're post like two delays at least. Uh, we had one, was it two weeks ago? We got delayed getting off the plane cause the door was stuck. That took them 45 minutes <laughs> to get the door open. Um, I've had, I think it was what, three years ago that that polar vortex came through the Midwest. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was flying through Minneapolis and we had to change gates four times because the, <laughs> um, the gates froze. They couldn't move them. Um, oh, and then another time the de-icing fluid froze and I was like, well, that's not oh, good. Well, that's, that's, that's not good at all. <laughs> that's not, that's not what it's to do. That's when you start getting um, a little nervous. 
but yeah, it's, it's fun. I mean, is this, is this generally an East coast thing or do you notice more or is it just all over like all airports? Oh, it's all, it's all over. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, we, they tried to regionalize us a couple of years ago, but logistically it was difficult. So okay. I'll go all over. Um, typically my company, if there's an account in North Dakota, South Dakota, somewhere out there, they give it to me because they know that's where I want to go anyways. Gotcha. So, uh, oh, you get a little, little preference maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, and I try to make friends with all the locals and uh, yeah. try to find some spots to find some birds. Go to a local bar, buy everyone around and say, that's hey. right. That's right. <laughs> Well, that's fun, man. We'll keep up the entertainment there. It's, it's, it's high value. Um, <laughs> it probably helps, like you said, pass the time a little bit better as well. So we got nothing else to do. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's kind of dive in a little bit. Like where, where did this, uh, like, how'd you start hunting, man? Like what, what kind of got you into, you know, the outdoors, upland, waterfall, like what, how'd that start? Um, so I was raised duck hunting with my dad. Um, he, if I remember correctly, I think he hunted a little bit with his uncle. Um, the one that we call uncle Bubba. Um, actually my dad gave me like my first duck hunting gear was uncle Bubba's old stuff from the forties. Um, <laughs> oh, nice. I, dude, I froze. I mean, Oh, sure. It, it was the old, like it wasn't even insulated underwear. It was like the poofy <laughs> stuff from like, uh, remember the kid on Christmas story. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's basically what I look like. Um, <laughs> but yeah, dad hunted with him a little bit. And then, well, my dad went in the Navy. Um, he really started getting into bird hunting and, and duck hunting. So, you know, I got about, I guess, eight to 10 years old. Um, started going with him. We did not get spoiled by all means. I mean, if dad and I saw, I shoot, if we saw ducks, it was a good day, let alone shot some. Um, sure. So just, you know, my dad, he's got a, a, a big appreciation for the history of waterfowling. Um, you know, he's got the old Nash Buckingham books. Um you know, the old hunting books from the thirties and forties. Oh, wow. um, so I guess that was instilled in me. So, you know, I, I, obviously I love, you know, shooting birds, but just the, the history of the sport. Um, he kind of developed a, a monster in me, a slight addiction for, for <laughs> duck hunting. Um, I mean, I was skipping school in high school to go shoot ducks. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was my introduction was just hunting with my dad. Um, and then, you know, we took a few guided hunts here and there, like the Eastern shore of Virginia. Um, so started doing that. And then I guess when I got my younger Boykin, um, duck hunting in Virginia is, uh, difficult to say the least, hmm. um, in a combination of just a lack of public areas. Um, but then also the way our blind blind laws work, sure. at least in my area of Virginia, if you're on a river and you build yourself a blind, uh, no one can hunt within 500 yards of that blind for the rest of the year. Rest so, of the year. Correct. Whether wow. you're in it or not. So what wow. happens is all these rivers, we just say they get blinded up every 500 yards. There's yeah. another blind. Um, so it's, it's hard to find spots. Um, sure. So that being said, my buddies and I probably about, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, started getting more into diver and sea duck hunting. So oh, okay. we're on the big water. We got big long lines out. Um, some guys use dogs, but we don't. So it's not super conducive to using a dog out there, especially. Sure. Um, so, you know, when I got traveler, my younger one, um, I just wanted to hunt with him more. And so I hit up a few preserves near me and kind of liked it. And, um, I don't know if you know, Ryan Bumgarner or Baumgartner, sorry, Ryan. Um, <laughs> I don't but, think uh, I do. He, so he has a boy. Can he lives out in, um, Iowa. 
Okay. And last year he saw that I was in North Dakota duck hunting and he said, Hey, next time you're out here, give me a call. Um, we can shoot some roosters. I was like, all right, well about three weeks later, I realized I had about a week off of work. So I called him up and went out there and shot some birds with his buddy. Um, and that's kind of how the upland thing started was just, mm. I just wanted to get with my dog more. Um, wow. I wanted, so, and when was that? That was pretty recent. You said, yeah, it was like uh, really two, three years ago. Okay. Nice. Um, and it's kind of, you know, really blown from there. I mean, I've just this year alone, I've hunted grouse in Maine, uh, quail and roosters in Kansas, roosters in North Dakota, roosters in Iowa, and then I'll go to Nebraska in January. Um, so it's kind of uh, grown from there. As yeah, well. I mean, you're you're hitting some you're hitting some new states, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, it, what it's become now where I just want to go with the dog. I don't care if I shoot. I don't care if we yeah. get birds. Um, I just want more time in the field with the dog. I mean, that's what it's really be- become. Um, I mean, even duck hunting this year in North Dakota, there was days where we'd have a flock of you know mallards coming in. I didn't pick up my gun. I just let my buddy hmm. shoot. I watch the dog. Um, <laughs> I get, cool, I get more enjoyment of that than anything else. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, there's no better compliment than someone saying, Hey man, I love hunting over your dog. Oh, that's, I mean, that's that'll make your year right there. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> really I mean, luckily yeah. travelers doing pretty well and you know, I've had people message me and like, Hey, can you bring your dog out here? I want to see him work. Like, yeah. <laughs> By all means, I'm more than happy to do that. So yeah, it's all about the dogs, man. And people, people say it and it's still maybe a little cliche, but it's it, for me. It sounds like even for you, it's all about the dogs. Yeah. I mean, I wish I had the time to travel, um, train traveler myself, but, um, you know, I just get enjoyment out of seeing good dog work, whether it's mine or somebody yeah. else's. Um, yeah. and obviously there's a sense of pride there, but, um, I mean, it's also, especially if I'm duck hunting, it saves me a lot of leg work walking through the mud, trying to go get a cripple or something. Absolutely. Um, that's so, awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think that's where the, the kind of addiction and love affair with, with bird hunting started was, with my dad and watching his Boykins. Um, my family's had Boykins since oh, 78, okay. 79. Um, they didn't make the breed standards until the mid seventies. If I remember correctly, um, it was kind of a mutt anyways. They really don't know what the first two Boykins were. They, they <laughs> have no idea. Um, they just know some random Brown dog that followed this guy named Mr. White. And he realized the dog liked to fetch. So he gave it to Mr. Boykin and Mr. Boykin started breeding it put in, they know it's got some Chessy, American water spaniel, cocker spaniel. Um, but they don't know for sure what the first, first one was. Um, wow. Interesting. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely want to get into the, those Boykins. Uh, actually a lot more. I'm very interested <laughs> about those dogs. Um, going back to just the East coast a little bit before we kind of wrap up again, kind of the early years, once you kind of got started. Um, so like I've heard this maybe from a couple of people, the Eastern flyway is pretty good though. Right. Generally. Cause then they're like a, a big flyway that kind of goes up the East coast. Yeah. You have the Atlantic flyway. Um, I would tell you my gut says no. Um, okay. just because now that I've seen what, you know, the Dakotas and Nebraska oh, and Kansas sure. offer as far as the amount so of compa- ducks, comparable to other. Yeah. Other I mean, flyways. The, yeah. the only thing that we have, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like some guys get heavy into the mallards and stuff and the puddle ducks, but, I mean, we get like, I think, and that's one thing I do like about duck hunting is the different ways that you can duck hunt. You know, there's hmm. hunting out of a layout boat. There's hunting out of a big blind. There's hunting off of, you know, layout in a field hunting, um, but also the so many different species. And I remember one time I hunted in Mississippi and they, you know, shoot nothing but mallards, which I don't shoot a lot of in Virginia. And this one guy was like, man, I'd kill to shoot a buffalo head. 
I was like, dude, I can kill those a dime a dozen back home. Like, we have a ton of them, like all means. So, um, yeah, other than divers, the Atlantic Flyway is not great. Uh, you can only shoot one mallard in the Atlantic Flyway. Oh, wow. um, they just changed that. You can only shoot one goose now, one Canada, which is oh, kind of wow. crazy to me. I, that one I don't agree with because oh. we're, we're covered in them. But yeah, um, yeah. Besides, I mean, we get some decent amount of canvas bags. Right? Sorry, is that is that one a day? Yeah. Okay. It was still, yeah. wow. And that's, that's crazy. Well, especially, I mean, think about it. There's geese everywhere. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, we get canvasbacks, bluebills, redheads, which is what a lot of people want. Um, but that's only if it gets super cold and that's typically okay. January, the rest of the time we're just shooting sea ducks. Um, okay. So. And then, um, what about, so yeah, so again, sticking kind of East coast. So upland opportunities, I mean, you get woodcock flights going through there, some grouse. Yeah. What's that like? So, there are some grouse in Virginia. It's in the Western side of the state, which is probably to get to my first grouse. I probably have to drive six hours West okay. um, just to have the chance of seeing one. There's not many out there anymore. Um, again, they're not burning. They're not logging. Um, there's just no habitat, just like the quail. Um, sure. One of the crazy statistics that I read was in 1973 in Virginia, they harvested, I think it was a million and 300,000 quail. Who? In 2003 they harvested 30,000 oh my like, gosh we, we just don't have them um wow you know you can talk to the the old timers and they'll talk about you know how 30 40 50 years ago every night you're hearing bob whites um hmm. and you know just same thing no habitat yeah uh, the farming practices have changed um yeah, that's crazy yeah. grouse and quail there are some don't get me wrong sure. um, i've never seen grouse because i've never hunted them in virginia but um I've seen quail. There are some, not many. Huh. Um, and we do get a decent woodcock flight. Typically our last split of the season, we'll get some. Um, so that's probably our best. Uh, we do, I don't know if you're familiar with like, um, rails. I've heard, heard of, of them. We do get them. They're on the tidal flats. They're kind of a weird bird. Um, okay. they say they migrate, but everything I've read says that they don't, huh. no one can figure out how, but they don't have webbed feet. Okay. But they stay on these tidal flats. So you almost, you're walking these tidal flats and they'll flush in front of you, almost like a quail or something like that. So you're hunting them like you would upland birds. Yeah. But you're walking through like maybe a couple inches of water, maybe a couple of, you might even have waders on but oh, you're wow. walking through the water, flushing these cause they'll hang out in the grass clumps. As soon as you get up on the grass clump or your dog walks up on it, um, they'll flush and they, they can't swim cause they, or they can, but they don't have wet feet. So they'll flush okay. out. Um, they're kind of fun to shoot. Uh, That's like, cool. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, yeah, we don't have Virginia hunting's tough, man. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, there's no way around it. It's just, it is what it is. A, and we got tons of turkey and tons of deer. Um, <laughs> deer hunting. Stuff. Yes. I'm the worst deer hunter in the world. I fall asleep every time. I mean, I, 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 yeah. Even, even turkey hunting for me. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm hunting them wrong, but I'll be, I'll be sitting there. I'm like, I just want to be upland hunting right now. <laughs> Not, so, nothing against it. It's just, I, my attention span is limited. The, the boy can actually, um, and there was actually, I don't know if you saw the project upland video that went out maybe a month ago. Um, the boy can, the reason why they still talk, dock the day, the tail, um, was they actually used to use the boy as a Turkey dog. Oh, really? So what they would do is they would send the, the, the boy in like a flusher, <laughs> break up the flock. Um, and then the boy would come back and sit at a heel next to the, the hunter and he would start calling and try to call in a turkey back to him when they were coming back together. Uh, <laughs> no way. 
And so they didn't want the, the, the tail swishing the leaves and making a bunch sure. of noise. They started docking the tail. But um, I've, I don't know many people that do it or maybe know two people off the top of my head that use them. But I'm like, man, that's cool. Like, Yeah, that is cool. <clears throat> Versatility right there. Yeah, not many. I can't say it was, many this little boy can, boy can bring the big, big old turkey back. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be pretty cool. We had one that retrieved a swan. Um, oh, wow. It, it took him a while, but he, he brought it back. So. Hey. It's not about how fast it fast it gets. That's right. That's right. <laughs> not about speed. Um, so so go back to so you mentioned your family actually grew up with Boykins because I was gonna ask you kind of like what you know, when it was time for you to get your own dog, like what led you to to get the Boykins. So do you know, like did your dad that was it just kind of a thing? He he say, I'm gonna pick up this this Boykin or um you know, I did look at other breeds, um, and especially after so my older Boykin, he's eleven. Um uh, when, before I got traveler, um, I did look at some other breeds, um, and kind of looked at the pros and cons, you know, I looked at everything from, you know, just getting a lab to, you know, some of the German versatile breeds. I looked at those, I lo- looked at a Brittany. Um, and, uh, I guess I just went with, you know, what I know. Um, sure. I know Boykins again, I've lived with them my whole life. Um, and I like, I do like the size, um, the travelers, pretty good size for a Boykin male. He's 42 pounds. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, I like the temperament they do have, you know, the, the spaniel in them, which I'm sure you're aware of, you know, the ADD in them. Sure. sure. Sometimes <laughs> that gives them a little bit of personality. Um, you know, and they're, they're just, I mean, just like a, a Brittany, you know, those spaniels, they just, they just want to make you happy. Um, yeah. Good attitude some, about them. Yeah. I mean, and traveler isn't as, um, I guess soft as my older one. Um, you know, my older one, you know, if I put a little bit of growl in my voice, it'll, it'll put the fear of God into <laughs> uh, traveler. You know, if he did something dumb, you know, I could smack him in the butt and he's like wagging his tail at me. Like, what's up, man? Like, you want to play? <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's one thing since the boy can such a mutt, you can get a wide range of personalities, but also, um, different coats. Like Cooper's got a very straight coat, um, thin, so he's not very good for duck hunting. Like he'll freeze. Oh, Traveler's okay. got a curlier coat. He's got a double coat, a um, little bit taller. Because um, again, there's so many different breeds in the Boykin that there's potential for different coats and stuff. But um, okay, is that I mean, is that kind of cur- the curlier coat? Like, would you say is like is that more traditional Boykin? You would say than the, so, than the more thinner one? Well, or if I remember correctly, breed standards were like straight to medium curls is how it reads. If I remember okay. correctly, um, I wanted, I got him from a, a brewery mm-hmm. up in Indiana cause I wanted one that could deal with the cold. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I mean, it, it, the, the breed standards allow for, um, all different variations within straight to, to medium curls. Um, but there are some that they almost look like poodles. I, I've seen oh, some really? that have a, a little more fluffy. Yeah. Extremely curly coat. Um, yeah. So uh, as far as getting a Boykin, you know, like I said, I looked at other breeds, but that's what I knew. Um, and, um, you know, luckily since I was brought up in the Boykin world, I kind of knew who was who as far as breeders. Um, Oh, sure. There's obviously not as many as like a lab breeder. I mean, there's thousands of them, Um, (laughs) maybe millions. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you can find those. So I kind of knew who's got the good dogs. The Boykin world is pretty, I think pretty, heard, pretty niche. Would you say like Boykins? Is it well, pretty hard uh, to find, find a, a good Boykin breeder or the, is it bigger than someone would think? It's 
So there's 40,000 Boykins in the U.S. right now. Um, that kind of exploded, if I remember correctly, maybe 15, 20 years ago. Um, the Boykin Spaniel Society didn't want to be AKC registered. Um, they didn't want to do dog shows. Hmm. They wanted to keep it as a pure hunting breed. Oh, and I, might, I might be bushing the story a little bit. Um, but eventually, one thing led to another. They are AKC registered now, obviously. Okay. Um, but because of that, unfortunately, kind of what happened to like the golden retriever and even the lab. Oh, they got they got more showy. Yes, okay. they've gotten more and more popular. So you can find a lot more Boykin breeders. The question is, are you getting a field bred one? Because gotcha. um, I think people are taking advantage of the fact that they're you know they're cute dogs and they're good dogs. Um, sure. But there are some. I mean, I can name. Well, shoot, I think there was thirteen. Teen Boykins that ran in the Grand this year. Okay, it's like the Grand National Retrieving Championship. Um, okay, so for I mean thirteen, that doesn't sound like a lot because there's like two, three hundred dogs that ran maybe four hundred. Sure, sure. Um, is that is that pure? Is that a more of a spaniel a spaniel uh, trial or no? That's a lab trial. Oh, 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 wow! So they're competing against the the big boys. Yeah, I mean, and I tell you, you know, if you're talking a Boykin for purely retrieving and and waterfowl. It's not a lab. It's not going to, you know, handle the, the big water as well. Um, they do mature slower because they're Spaniel. Um, you are going to have to be more patient. I mean, no offense sure. to lab guys, but a lab is kind of a robot. A lab, sure. you can do the same drill 50 times in a row. The lab's just as happy. Yeah. Whereas a lot of times at Boykins, they're after the fifth, 10th time they're like all right dude we gotta do something else yeah um, <laughs> totally i mean I'm, so, I'm retrieving with my, my older one gauge and yeah right. we get to like that eighth or ninth uh -huh. you know retrieve and he's like all right can we do something else <laughs> like he just yeah. he, you know he's he's saying that they want to be tested yeah. um and so yeah so i mean boykins are they're getting more popular which is good i think that the the, the breeders that are doing it the right way and the trainers i think the the quality of boykin has gone up um i just think that if it's someone's looking at getting a boykin just go on the Boykin Spaniel Society website, see who's a, um, not a sponsored breeder, but a, um, I forgot the terminology they used, but you know, the, the, the that's breeder. specifying in like field, more field bred dogs. Well, what they do is, um, you know, that that Boykin breeder has done the correct health tests, um, you know, for like hip dysplasia, eyes, um, you know, all that stuff. So, you know, you're getting a, a higher likelihood of a hunting dog, but on top of that, whenever they're posting the litters, they have, they post, you know, Hey, this dog is a master hunter or, you know, or this dog's just a, a pet, you know, gotcha. um, you can, again, it's not going to be the end all be all, but it at least gives you an idea of what you're getting into. Um, oh, sure. Cause I, I didn't know a few guys that have gotten some Boykins and I think they ended up getting more of a lap dog than a, than a hunting one. So, oh, sure. Yeah. So could a, could a Boykin to the best of your knowledge, could they, I know there's some, some high level spaniel trials that mm -hmm. are there for flushing breeds. Boykins can compete in that as well. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I do know there's like some cocker only ones. Um, gotcha. I haven't, I've only run traveler in a specific Boykin spaniel upland trial. Cause they'll do both. They have um, upland hunt tests and field trials. And then they have retrieving hunts retrieving in, style, within, okay. within the Boykin spaniel society. Um, and so and that's not an AKC event. That's a more of a that's separate. Yeah. We can speak. Um, okay. But we can run AKC, UKC. Like I run traveler in, um, the UKC for retrieving. Um, gotcha. And then we just started messing with the AKC just cause it was nothing else to do. So <laughs> yeah. Like why not? What's the, uh, what's the UKC, uh, retrieving one like, um, what are some of the so, things they're, they're looking for? 
Um, I mean, if you're looking at like the, the, the first level, um, which is their terminology is started, which is the same as a junior for a, okay. um, you know, they just want to see, does the dog want to hunt? Um, will the dog pick up a duck and it does not be pretty, but will they bring it back? Um, he doesn't have to retrieve the hand. I believe they can, um, drop the, uh, they can drop the bird like within one step. Um, so, uh, once you get to the next level, um, that's like the upper echelon. There's a big jump from the starting level to senior is their terminology. Um, where then you're doing blind retrieves and that's where that degree of difficulty is really up there. Um, you know, that's where you're blowing the whistle, the dog stopping, looking at you, you're giving him a back or an over. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's the next level. Um, where we're, we're going to work on titling on that this summer. So, Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. So, and, and that's mostly with your younger one traveler. You said, yeah. Um, Cooper is, um, he, he's, he's retired. Um, okay. I, I'll, well, I'll take that back. I'll take him dove hunting here and there. Um, we do get a, a decent amount of doves in Virginia. So I figure that's, you know, low impact. It's not cold. He, sure. doesn't, have, he doesn't have to swim. He's again, he's 11. So he's not running a ton. So I'll, I'll take him dove hunting. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, Cooper's pretty much retired. Traveler's the one that I'm really focusing on now. Yeah. Do you um have a random question? Do you keep them trim, like especially with more upland hunting you're doing? Are you keeping them trim pretty pretty short, or are you just kind of letting them? Oh God, dude. Hair wise, because I can imagine burrs and briars, man. They're the the bane of all of spaniel owners' existence. Oh. Um, so I did not do that last year, a traveler, mm. and I remember he went and got a quail and came out of the briars and his, it was like his ears were Velcro to the top of his head. They were stuck together. Um, so we, uh, this year I gave him the ugliest haircut. <laughs> all the time. Uh, we, we, we trimmed up his ears pretty good. Um, oh. and then now, I mean, I need to buy stock in like Shoshin cause I just, I'll buy six bottles of Shoshin. I'll go through a bottle in like two, three days. Um, I don't think I've even heard of that. Yeah, Shoshin, Cowboy Magic. Um, okay. Some people spray Pam. Oh. I've never used that, but Shoshin's okay. amazing. because The briars and cockroaches will still get in there, but they're much easier to take out. Are you putting it on before you hunt or after yep. to take them out? I'll, I'll do both. Oh, okay. But, um, I'll douse them in it. And then what <laughs> I'll do is I give him a, um, like a lightweight orange vest for upland hunting. Okay. Um, I don't need it for heat retention. I just want it so less burrs get stuck. Yeah, less and less area, um, yeah. And, and I can see him easier. Um, but yeah, I'll douse, especially his ears, his little fringes on his legs. Um, and then uh, once we get back, if he has a few, I'll spray him again and then take the um, the brush to him and uh, get him more scissors. <laughs> sit, sit, sit there for quite a while, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> Getting dude, those there, out. There's been some days where it's like hours of putting oh. those things out. Um, but it was worth it. It was worth it, it for the experience getting out there. You definitely second guess it, though. Oh, hundred percent. hundred percent. You're like, why do I do this? Well, last year, or no, oh, I'm sorry. In September when I was dove hunting, we were completely burr free. And then my last bird to get my limit dropped in some dead bushes. And I'm like, all right, well, whatever. I'll send traveler. And he went in there, came out. I was like, son of a, and of course, sure enough, he was covered in. I'm like, that was the last. Oh, you were last so close. So close to avoiding it. <laughs> but yeah. That's, I mean, if you've never used Shoshin, I know with those Britneys, they kind of have similar ears. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. They can, they can get a little bit longer. Yeah. Wind right now. She's a little bit longer. 
in her coat. Um, Gage, I trimmed up in, I think in August I trimmed him and uh, his hair, which is nice, grows super slow. Yeah. So he's, he's still pretty, pretty uh, short coat, which is nice right now. But um, so it sounds like, like thinking between waterfall and upland, are you saying you're, are, are you kind of doing more upland and waterfall right now in your life or is it kind of equal? Uh, that's, that's a toughie. So I did two weeks straight of duck. Actually, it's probably more upland now because I did two weeks straight of duck hunting in North Dakota. Then I did a week of pheasant. Um, then a couple of days in Maine, a couple of days in Kansas, but that was all upland. Um, and even back home, most of the time, if I'm duck hunting, it's just with, um, it's not with, it's not with traveler. Um, cause he can't go in the boat for sea ducks and divers. So yeah, for, for most of my hunting, it's probably more upland now. Um, just cause I, again, I want more opportunities to get the dog out there. So, um, awesome. yeah, probably more upland. Yeah. That's cool, man. Keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love waterfall. I, uh, I should, that's kind of one of the things that got me into hunting really waterfall and I love it. Um, it's just more dogs to get busier life gets. I, I kind of had to start focusing just on, on one, one form of hunting for right now. Yeah. It's, um, and that's, you know, another thing too, is, uh, as far as training, um, like we've never like traveler. I mean, he's not, he's not steady to he's semi steady to the flush. Like if a bird gets up, he'll take a few steps and then he'll stop. Um, but he's not, he's not perfect. Um, sure. but I haven't really done any formal upland training with him. Um, I've done obviously formal retriever training. Um, I remember when I was going to run him in his first upland hunt test and, um, I contacted a trainer I know. And I said, well, what do I need to do to train him? He's like, well, you're running novice, right? Which is the baseline level. I said, yeah. He goes, oh, he'll do it naturally. I said, well, what if he doesn't? He goes, no, he'll, he'll naturally quarter. Like, and that's what they do. They just quarter in front of you about, you know, 15 to 30 yards, I guess. Um, they'll just quarter back and forth. And um, yeah, he was just like, no, he'll do it. I'm like, well, what if he doesn't? No, he'll do it. I'm like, okay. So <laughs> he, he, he did fine. Um, but yeah, it's, it, I haven't done any formal um, upland training now. As we move forward in the hunt test game, you know, I want to clean up the, sure. the steady the flush, steady the shot. Um, there was a um, time last year, North Dakota, where he wasn't steady the flush, and we shot a bird that went across this river. I'm sure you know, like the rivers fluctuate, you know, 30, 40 feet. Mm. In, in, um, oh, sure. In uh, height and uh, or water level. And he got <laughs> stuck on a cliff. And so I had to, I, long story short, I ended up, having to walk through the water to get him back up top above. Oh, the cliff. So, I mean, he wasn't in any danger, but it's like, all right, that would have been nice to have him not go after that bird. So oh, sure. Uh, <laughs> so we'll, we'll clean that up, but, uh, yeah, he does well. So that's cool, man. That's cool. They're great. Uh, great looking dogs. Um, where, you know, where did this kind of whole, like what, like what keeps you going? I guess is my question. What keeps you going? Like excited to get out there, uh, you know, chasing new birds, whether it's waterfowl, upland, whatever it might be. Like what's, wh where's that passion for you? Like what's, what's kind of the motivation behind it? Um, you know, I hate to be cliche, but, uh, really the dog, man. Um, yeah, I, I feel like, you know, I'm doing him a disservice if I'm sitting at home and I could go hunt something with him and I don't, sure. um, well, don't get me wrong. Like he's just fine, you know, sleeping my feet and being lazy all day. Um, but 
that's, you know, that's what they're bred to do. That's what they want to do. They want to hunt, they want to, um, retrieve. Um, so now that we've gotten to this point where I'm like, okay, he, he's, he's a pretty, again, he's not the obviously best bird dog out there, uh, but he's pretty damn good. I can take him to these places and he'll do well. Mm. Um, I mean, we had one day in North Dakota, we had a couple hundred birds that were coming in in the decoys swimming two feet in front of us before shooting light. He just sat there and watched and budge. He didn't cry. He didn't do anything. So I, I feel confident in his abilities um, to where I can take him to these different areas. And, you know, with my work and my travel, um, I feel like it would be again, a disservice if I didn't bring him to North Dakota when I'm there for a month, or if I didn't say, Hey, I have four days open here. Let me go to this state and go hunt. Um, so now it's kind of, I guess my, my driving factor is just see how many birds I can get them on. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, we're going to try to hunt everything we can possible. Um, yeah. That's, that's cool, man. I, I like that. Yeah. Um, cause, cause there's days, I think we all have days of, of thinking, yeah, like I'll, I'll do that trip next week or I'll, I'll do that hunt, you know, at a different date. But like you said, when you, when you look at that dog and you kind of know, know what they can do and, and what they love to do, it's kind of, it can be that motivation that, and, and, uh, and not to be, you know, to get out. Yeah. And, and like I said, you know, not to be too morbid or anything, but you know, they don't, they don't live that long. No, you know, no, hundred percent. I mean, you got to think, you know, let's say dog lives 15, 16 years. He's only going to hunt. So what, maybe 10, 11. Maybe? Yeah, exactly. You think, yeah, they're living 15, but what are the, the prime kind of huntable years? Right. That's... And, and, the, and the first two years you might hunt them a little bit, but probably not a ton, depending on what kind of breed it is and what kind of hunting you're doing. But also, within that 10 years that you can hunt them, maybe eight years, you only have what, three, four months to hunt. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, not very long. Yeah. I mean, you, it's not very long. That's why I'm like, man, I got to take advantage of it when I can. Um, yeah. you know, I don't have any kids or anything, so there's nothing bogging me down there. So <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'll take advantage of it every opportunity. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So did you, so you said you did send a uh, traveler to a trainer? Yeah. So, okay. um, there are a lot of, uh, Boykin specific trainers. Oh, really? Uh, I, oh yeah. There's well guys that like who are do, doing breedings and stuff. And yeah. Um, I did not send him to one of those. Uh, he went to a, a lab trainer, um, had him for only a couple months this summer. Um, okay. did really well with them. Um, and, uh, but I think a lot of, a lot of, in my opinion, a lot of lab trainers that haven't worked with a Boykin before get frustrated because they, they just learn, differently than a lab does. Uh, um, but, uh, you know, Connor did a good job. He was, he was, you know, patient traveler. Um, and, uh, I think it's also, I think it, there's no reason why you shouldn't test a Boykin. So for instance, if you're doing a hundred yard marks for a lab, a, a, a Boykin can still do that hundred yard mark. I think sometimes people, you know, bring it down and say, Oh, it's a boy. Can, you know, you can only do you know, 50 yards or something like that, but, um, or whatever distance it may sure. be. But, um, I think it benefits him to be hanging out with the big dogs. Yeah. Um, it pushes his limits a little bit, pushes yeah. what you, what you could think right. you can uh, expect out of him. Exactly. That's cool, man. Small, small dogs are awesome. I think people can look at the, these little 30, 40 pound dogs and go like, ah, like, can it really, you know, bring back a, you know, a Canada or a pheasant yeah. or like, yeah, yeah. These dogs got some heart and, Oh, man, is they, you know, the hearts with, with what's cool. Um, I posted a video of traveler coming back through this nasty muck, um, maybe about a month ago and dude, he's just charging through it. Uh, I mean, he's struggling to get through it, but 
the, the other thing too, I guess that to your point, as far as the small dogs, um, it's like my friend Ryan that lives in Iowa, he does a lot of pheasant hunting in North Dakota. Um, and most people would be like, well, why'd you get a Boykin in when you're pheasant hunting North Dakota? Mm-hmm. His reason was because the Boykin can slip through the corn or the cattails easier. Ah, that lab's got to crunch through it or the bigger dogs just have to they, just they charge b- through break it. through it. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas that Boykin, I mean, it's when we hunted the Boykins together this year, it's kind of cool, man. They just look like little rats going through the <laughs> cattails. Um, and so they have an easier job of doing it. Now he's got an Irish red setter with him now. Um, but we would just switch off, you know, flusher days and kind of pointer days. Um, sure. but, uh, yeah, they can do everything at another, they might not do it as quick or. Yeah. It's just uh, going to be different. Yeah. It's just yeah. their style and their, their speed that they're going to go at. And yeah. I think, I think these dogs are going to get done still. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, you're, uh, you're doing a little, uh, writing, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. I got into it this year. That's cool, man. Where, what, where'd that kind of come from? You just think, Hey, I want to put some, some stories and ideas down on paper. Or? So, um, you know, I'm a big reader, you know, parents pass that on to me and, you know, obviously reading a lot of the old, I, I have a, a huge, um, appreciation for the older literature again, like Gene Hill, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Leupold, um, Archibald Rutledge, um, you know, those guys that were writing okay. in the fifties, some guys that were writing in the twenties, like just that old hunting literature. It's sure. what, what cracks me up is the same things that those guys are joking about is the same things we're joking about. <laughs> nowadays. I mean, it hasn't, not much has changed in that respect. Um, you know, there was a book I was reading, most of them are short stories. Um, and they were joking about how, um, I think it was one of Gene Hill's stories, which was written in the fifties or sixties. And he was joking about how things aren't what they used to be. And then one of his quotes is, you know, they never were. And so I was like, well, that makes sense. Um, but, um, yeah, so I've always loved reading them and, um, I don't know why I started writing, but I may or may not have had a few bourbons on a flight and, uh, (laughs) took out my, uh, my iPad and just started typing a funny hunting story uh, of me and my dad hunting and how miserable it was and how everything went wrong. But it's one of my favorite stories. And, um, you know, just cause I thought it was funny. And so, the um boykin spaniel society magazine um they used it and along this time um i don't know if you know like the hunting dog confidential podcast yeah. magazine yeah yeah okay. so during this whole time period i was given um the editor jennifer a hard time because i felt like they weren't talking about the boykins enough hmm. and so she saw my article come out for boykin spaniel magazine and she was like, Hey, well, apparently you can write. So why don't you write a story on the Boykin and oh. your trip with traveler to North Dakota? This was last year. Um, and I was like, man, I, I, I can't do that. And <laughs> she, I mean, she was super patient coaching yeah. me through it. Um, I probably did five or six rewrites. Um, yeah. I mean, it, I thought it turned out halfway decent. Um, and so that just kind of grew from there. Um, you know, obviously you had, uh, Edgar Castillo on your podcast the other yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's been a huge help. Um, another guy that's uh, also friends with Edgar, Rob Moore. He's been helping me a lot. Uh, okay. That's awesome, man. I, I didn't know you wrote a, a piece for, uh, a gun or, uh, uh, Dog Confidential. Dog. yeah, yeah. It, I gotta check. I gotta check that uh, out. It's in the spring issue for this year. Um, okay. Is it in the PU magazine or is it is there a no, separate it's, magazine? It's in the actual hunting dog confidential magazine. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I think it's quarterly if I remember correctly. Um, okay. 
yeah, I mean, it's just kind of grown from there. I mean, um, it's, it's different. It's a different experience as far as writing because you know, once it's out there, it's out there almost like your podcast, you know, sure. if you, and of course there's always, you know, detractors and people that have stuff to say, but, yep. um, most of my writing is, I'm not a huge fan of like writing a how to article or a top 10 yeah. destination. Here's article. how to kill more pheasants. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like, and I, I sent you a few stories the other day. Um, yeah. just, just funny things, man. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say, I, I love the, uh, I, I didn't, I haven't gotten through both yet, but I like the uh, titles of them both. So the, um, the, the heart attack birds that yes. I'm hoping to get published, um, here soon. Yeah. That one was just, you know, again, I had, a, you know, hate to say this, but I had a couple bourbons and I just started writing. Um, yeah. but I, I like to, you know, it, it entertain people. I think, um, I think sometimes we're a little bit too serious. Um, whether it's on social media, you know, only posting bag limits or, um, only talking about how many birds we shot. Like, I think we should focus on the dumb things that happen when we're hunting. Yeah. How we ran out of gas driving through the field or how we, <laughs> yeah. some, you know, you're, you're, you set your gun on top of your truck and then you start driving, you know, <laughs> things like that, that, you know, it happens to every one of us. And right. And that's the thing too, is, you know, um, with this whole writing thing, I mean, it's it, what I, what I appreciate about the writing now is I look at my hunts differently. So while I'm hunting, you know, um, Edgar's really taught me this is kind of how to look at one thing and get a story out of it. And so I've never done that before. I've always just been like there, you know, all right, you know, we shot a couple birds, blah, blah, blah. Well, now maybe there was a story during that hunt that I can flesh out and really talk about. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of look at the hunts differently. Um, I guess I'm more of a observer during hunting, hmm. uh, as far as looking at it from the outside and saying, okay, you know, is there a teachable lesson here or is there, you know, a funny opportunity that I can talk about where to your point earlier, like everyone's done this or everyone's been in this situation and they'll just find it funny. They can get a laugh yeah. and, you know, we'll move on. Um, she has been cool. Um, I'm not a writer at all. As far as like, I was an English major. Um, I was decent in college as far as BS in the paper, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, it's been fun. Um, new experiences. Cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's just kind of gone from there. I got, um, I love that, man. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, uh, yeah, you sent me a couple articles and reading those and I want to check out the, uh, the other one on the Boykin you did. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. cool. Um, awesome, man. Well, what, uh, what's the season been like so far for you? sounds like, cause you did take a trip to, was it South Dakota or North Dakota? North Dakota. North. North. Dakota. Okay. Um, what was that? What was that trip like? So it was, it was um, also, was that your first time there or have you been there? No, before? no. Um, I've been in North Dakota. God, I think my buddy started five or six years ago. Um, basically two of our friends went out there, uh, by themselves and you know, shot a bunch of birds came back and was like, guys, you've got to go. <laughs> um, so the next year we basically, um, and, and the way that they picked where to go was, um, they just looked at the map and found a bunch of water and oh. went there. Uh, it's all freelanced. I, we don't, we don't pay for guides or anything like that. Um, do all our own scouting, all that stuff. So we go out there for two weeks. Um, and just, I mean, we go hard. Um, it's yeah, funny. Are you, do, people, are you doing both? Are you doing looking for waterfall and upland? With that group, it's just um, duck hunting. Now, we have been opportunistic a few times where, you know, we're sitting there duck hunting. And you hear this rooster just cackling his butt off all morning. 
at some point someone's had enough and they're like, all right, we're going to yeah. go find it. Um, but yeah, so this year was the first year that uh, I did the two weeks of duck hunting and then I drove an hour and a half, um, to another part of North Dakota. And then I did a week of upland hunting. Um, oh, nice. We were just uh, chasing pheasants. I mean, we were in the Eastern part of the state. Um, we did see one shark tail grouse. I'll have to send you the video. Um, it was me and a, another buddy. And then the two other friends were kind of know, maybe 60 yards to our right um, with their pointers. And so it was just me and my buddy, Patrick and traveler and traveler beeline for this brush. And just the day prior, a guy's dog had gotten skunked. So I'm like, uh, Oh hell, I hope it's not a skunk. So I walked <laughs> over there as I walked over there, a bird gets up in front of me. I remember I'm a, I'm a upland rookie. And um, I put my gun up and then I went, no hand. And I said, no, that's weird. <laughs> I got up again. And the Patrick was like, hen, hen, hen. So I didn't shoot. Well, Ryan and Uriah came over and was like, why didn't you shoot? I said, well, Patrick said it was a hen. They're like, that was a sharp tail. I was like, oh, oh. my so God. Traveler had, I mean, <laughs> dude, it was all of like five feet in front of me. Traveler had a perfect flush on the sharp tail. And yeah, I that's cool. Um, but um, yeah, so that was, that was the first trip of the year was uh, North Dakota basically for a month. Um, North Dakota wasn't as dry, at least where we were, it wasn't nearly as bad as what we were expecting um, because okay. everyone come out the drought and how yep. rough it was going to be. Um, there was definitely some sloughs that you could tell didn't have water in it that probably normally did, but it wasn't. It wasn't um, as bad as you were. Yeah. It wasn't as bad as you thought. No, it was, it was worse probably four or five years ago. I can't remember. Hmm. There, there was one year where it was, it was a struggle to find birds, okay. um, but we got on pretty good, had some good hunts. Um, pheasant hunting was great. They, the problem this year with, as far as pheasant was, um, right. Cause it'd been so dry forever. And then the week prior to our upland hunt, when I was still duck hunting within a week or two, they got like six to eight inches of rain. Hmm. So then the farmers couldn't harvest the corn because it was all underwater. Oh, uh, geez. So there was still a lot of standing corn. Um, and we still did well. Uh, we shot a bunch of roosters. Um, and then, see, so that was October. Then I, uh, I think I worked maybe for a few days, maybe. And then um, went to Maine. Um, never seen a rough grouse in person, never hunted them, uh, but just said, you know, screw it. I'm going to try it and see what happens. Um, went up there to, uh, you know, how they have all those camps and stuff. So it wasn't guided, but you just stayed at a lodge. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, I mean, I shot a few. Um, didn't live it out any day, but okay. you know, Traveler was able to, you know, retrieve a few and flush some. So I was, I mean, I was only there for three days. I'm definitely going longer next year. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to Maine, but no, yeah. never, never been there. It's beautiful. Um, you know, people were nice and stuff, but just, I, I didn't realize how big a rough grouse was. Huh. Uh, Cause when I was actually driving there, I saw one on the road and I'm like, man, that thing's bigger than what I <laughs> like. Really? Yeah. I was, I was thinking they were maybe like, I don't know, a large quail, maybe, no. like, a maybe like a chucker size almost. Um, bigger than that. I, really? Bigger than a chucker. Yeah. Okay. But, so in my head, I'm like, why am I shooting seven and a half at this thing? <laughs> like, but then when I shot my first one, Traveler gave it back to me yeah. and you know, he's not hard mouthed on birds at all, but feathers were just almost like a dove. Feathers were just coming oh. out. Right. I went, Oh, that's why you're using seven and a half. Like they're not, you know, like a pheasant. They're, they're not like, yeah, yeah. They're, these they're are not. not as hardy, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
yeah, we, we bad couple. Uh, I literally drove back home, um, slept for a couple hours, um, and then packed my waterfowl stuff in the truck and then drove back out to Kansas, went there for three days. Oh yeah. Was Kansas was tough. Cause it was so dry when we were there. Okay. Um, we, I mean, there was times where we, we had the bird marked and just between us humans and four or five yeah. dogs we couldn't find the bird. Um, Jeez. yeah, it was tough. So, but it's still good. We got a couple travel got his first, you know, Kansas quail. So that was cool. Um, he's got a rooster for us. Um, nice. And then, Oh, then I was supposed to go work in Wisconsin and on the way to Wisconsin, I realized that was only four hours from where my friend lived in Iowa. And he was like, yeah, come home with me. So I went with him for three or four hours that morning, shot four roosters, then went to Wisconsin. Um, had planned on shooting woodcock, but decided that I just needed to rest and give traveler a little, a little oh, break. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone needs a little, little reset. Yeah. yeah. I was like, all right, you know what? We'll, we'll pass on today. Um, yeah. And then since then we've done a little bit of woodcock hunting back home. Um, and then the, yeah, I mean, kind of resting. He, he is, he had this weird injury, man. It, it's kind of, it's, it's lucky. It's not worse than what it was, but he sure. ruptured his saliva gland. Oh, what, what the, yeah. So he, I picked him up from my parents' house cause they live in the same city as I do. Okay. Um, and he had like this weird, like sack on his throat. Oh, so that's weird. And so I said, well, you know, just like anybody else, I said, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. Well, Sunday it grew into this like hard mass. And I thought Ooh. it was like a foreign body, like yeah. you know, grass on or yep, something. Yep. So I'm kind of wigging out, um, took them to the ER. They, um, they did a culture, but they, they didn't know what it was, but they said it wasn't a foreign body. Okay. Well then it swelled up to like a softball size coming out of his neck. Ooh, geez. Um, so it's I like kind of like right under his jaw, kind of like it was on the side a little bit, okay. but yeah, kind of just where your hands were, but on the side, okay. um, basically right on the jawline. And, um, eventually was able, it's something with COVID man. You, you just can't get vet appointments. Like they, jeez. Oh, I called them on a Monday and they said, yeah, we can't get you until Thursday. Oh shit. Yeah. So that Tuesday it was still, now he was still eating. He was acting normal. Wasn't in pain. Um, Tuesday, I called the vet. I said, I got to bring him in now. Um, and that's when they were like, the vet called it right. He's pretty familiar with hunting dogs. Um, yeah. He was like, yeah, it's it, the, the abscess. It's actually saliva. Um, huh. He ruptured his gland. He said, you know, it's completely random. Don't try to figure out when it happened. Um, so he'll have surgery. So he's kind of on the IR right now. Which oh, dang. But it could have been worse. He could have had it during like October or something like that. Oh, so. sure. Yeah, yeah prime yeah. some so of the prime take, season yeah exactly so they'll take his glands out and he should recover within like a week or two so we should okay. be good for the last little bit of the season okay but, nice so, so he hasn't had surgery yet no it'll be um be middle of january i think gotcha so, okay okay um, before nebraska or after unfortunately after okay so okay we'll uh, have to rest on that one which kind of yeah. sucks yeah, that'll be tough. That'll be tough. Well, maybe, uh, maybe if it works out, we could try to meet up in Nebraska if, if possible. Yeah, that'll definitely be out there in January. I need to get a quail to complete my uh, Nebraska slam. So, okay, okay, um, it's it's on my list. Yeah, it's um, it's just wild out there. I mean, well, well we had you were talking about uh, Kansas being dry. Um, so I lost. So I shot a quail. Shot a double actually. Uh, Bob White's in Nebraska a few weeks back with uh, my buddy Zach. 
mm-hmm. and uh, lost both birds. And, and granted, we were in probably thigh high uh, CRP, and so it was thick. Yeah. I know both these birds went down, but it was so dang dry. Um, and again, granted, my dogs aren't you know they'll retrieve, but right. they're not fantastic. And we looked and looked and looked for probably an hour. Um, I even went back the second day, um, again, had them, had them marked exactly where they went down and, uh, we could not find them. I think it was just so dang dry for the dogs. You know, it's, it's, it's weird for me being from the East coast. Um, like we, we there's never a day that we don't have humidity. Like there's yeah. always moisture in the air. And I know we call it the North Dakota crud. Whenever us, whenever we go to North Dakota by about the fourth or fifth day, we all kind of start feeling like crap. And I think it's just because of how dry it is. Yeah. Um, Takes your body a little time to adjust. Yeah. But I I think that's like this year was the first year where I was like, oh yeah, the dogs really can't scent a bird if it's that dry. There's just nothing, you know, it's not going to happen. That's tough. All right, brother. Um, starting to kind of wrap up here. Um, one of the things I really like to, to just chat with every guest about is, uh, you know, think about the, the new guy out there, a girl out there listening to this podcast right now. Uh, what's some advice you would give, uh, you know, the, the upland rookie out there who's maybe in the middle of their first season, maybe they're thinking about getting into it. Uh, is what's, what's some advice you'd give to someone? Um, well, for sure. Uh, try to find, um, you know, some sort of mentor or something. Um, I think, uh, you know, hunting is a, is a hard sport to get into period, whether it's upland or waterfowl. Um, and trying to figure it out on your own is pretty tough. Um, so I think, you know, I think the try upland guys, uh, have a good thing kind of going. Um, you know, obviously there's plenty of Facebook groups. Um, so trying to find a mentor, um, if you're, I guess, really East coast or Midwest, you know, go to preserve. Um, I think that's a great spot to introduce a new hunter to. Um, now you might spoil them a little bit cause they're not going to do a ton of walking for getting a lot of birds, but it'll at least find out, you know, is this something you enjoy? Is this something you want to do? Um, you know, I still use preserves, um, just to get traveler kind of tuned up for the season, but as far as a new hunter, um, you know, definitely try to find a mentor. And then, I mean, especially if you don't have a dog, like I know Edgar doesn't have a dog. My buddy Patrick doesn't have a dog. They just put time in the boots. And yeah, then just, walk just a little, little uh, a little extra walking, right? But I mean, the good news too is like nowadays, dude, there, there's so much, there's so many resources out there, yeah, um, that kind of help you at least get a general idea of where to go. I think there's still nothing better than having a mentor, um, yeah. or at least somebody to help you out. Um, but yeah, that would be my best advice: is just a be patient, and then you know try to find somebody or, or join a, you know, quail forever, pheasants forever, ducks unlimited, Delta waterfowl, some sort of organization where you can meet like-minded people and, and pick their brain. And, you know, there's some, some lifelong memories and, and friends that you can make from those, uh, from those clubs. Yeah, man. I love that. I think that's, like you said, all those things combined. I don't think it's just one thing that, that, you know, you can do or should do. I think it's a little bit of everything mentor, join some other you know organizations, things like that. Um, I think it'll help, help you have more success and, and just lower the, uh, lower the barrier to entry, I guess, really. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the learning curve, I mean, I, I'm a perfect example. The first year I went to North Dakota last year for, um, pheasants, um, you know, again, I, I've watched the flush, right. And sure. they're walking in, you know, knee high, maybe stomach high grass, you know, doesn't look like hard walking. Yeah. And then I get to hunt with my buddies in North Dakota 
and they're walking nothing but cattails. I'm like, <laughs> right. Wait, this is this is this wasn't on the flush. Yeah, I'm like, I didn't sign up for this. Like, this is hard walking. But I had no idea that again, because I, you know, we don't have wild roosters back home, so I had no idea that that's right. where they're hanging out in North Dakota. Yeah. Um, so that was a huge learning. I would never have thought to go hunt those little tiny sloughs yeah. that had cattails around them, just because I. Yeah, you, you, you would have just drove right past it. Oh yeah. I would be like, oh, you know, there's no ducks there. Let me keep moving. But yep. There's probably a bunch of roosters sitting in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just wow. they're all, they're all praying. <laughs> keep yeah, driving, yeah. keep driving. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. Thanks for that. Um, all right. I'd like to end uh, with a rapid fire section. So I'm just going to ask you a few questions and uh, you can kind of just give me your off the cuff answer. Uh, feel free to, ex- you know, expand on anything if you need to, or, or, or like to expand on anything, but uh, here we go. You ready? Yeah, ready. All right. Uh, what gun are you carrying out into the field and why? All right. So uh, my main gun is my Browning A5. It's a, it's a newer one. Um, always, again, love the history of, uh, of, of waterfowl. Um, always wanted an old humpback. Um, haven't bought an older one yet. Okay. Um, but when Browning came back out with them a couple years ago, I guess, five, six years ago, maybe, um, I was like, oh, I, I got to get one. So I got a 12 gauge. Um, cause again, back then I was predominantly hunting ducks and geese. So, um, got that. I did just this year buy a, um, Stevens five, 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 um, okay. over under, over under for yeah. upland and, and, uh, um, dove. Um, I guess I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm quite the upland hipster yet, but <laughs> I did want a double gun. My dad shoots. So my dad yeah. shoots nothing but old double guns. His duck gun is an old double barrel 10 gauge. Um, yeah. He's super old school. Um, so I think that's rubbed off on me a little bit. So sure. yeah, I just wanted a, that and that Stevens. I mean, yeah. it, it was inexpensive. I was going to uh, say, you can't beat the price. It's over under for what? Like five, 600 bucks, 500 bucks. Yeah. yeah. You can't beat that. Um, I don't care if I break it. Well, I'll care, but you know, I can, sure. beat it you're not going to cry over it. Yeah. Um, and it's light, dude. It's like five, maybe five and a half pounds. Did you get that in a uh, 20 or a 12? 12. 12. Okay. So I was going to get 20. Um, but then I thought about, it. I'm like, well, with the ammo shortage right now, sure. I don't want to have to buy two different types of ammo. Yeah. So just stick with well, one and stock up. Um, I would like a 20, but you know, until I can find some ammo and, yeah. So, um, waterfowl gun, Brownie, a five up when I use the, the Stevens. Love it. Um, okay. Favorite dog breed besides the Boykin. I have to say Brittany, man. Oh, that's not me sucking up. That's uh, <laughs> praise the Lord. Um, I've seen some very good, uh, <clears throat> you may have been the first guest to ever say that. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna really? say that. Uh, yeah. I, I need to think back. You might, because all the Britney guys I own, they have to answer a different breed. True. Or all the all the Britney guys I interview, um, so they have to say something different. And yeah, it might be that. Anyways, well, I mean, again, I, I like the Boykin size, and Britneys are pretty similar. Yeah. Um, I have a, a good friend of mine that um, he he's pretty new into breeding Boykins. He's done it for a couple of years now, but he's bred Britneys for 20, 30 years, I think. Um, I actually just saw a litter of his a couple months ago. Um, and I mean, I, I think they're gorgeous. Um, some people don't like that spaniel aspect of the dogs, but sure. I think that gives them character. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I mean, I've, my dad's old Boykin 
would be lined up on a mark and then a uh, you know, butterfly went by and she was like, Oh, butterfly. And just, <laughs> just completely spaced out. You know, sure. some people get mad at it and I just, you just got to laugh it off. Yeah, so, it's just part uh, of the dog. Yeah. Uh, I think they're pretty. Um, I've hunted over a few. Um, yeah, I, I probably have to say Brittany. So that's cool, man. man well, <laughs> that made my day right there. <laughs> and I did not tell you to say that everyone for the record. I'll send you a sticker anyways. Um, <laughs> Um, all right. A couple more here. Uh, favorite bird to hunt and why? Ooh, God, man, that's tough. Uh, and, and if you want, I will let you divide into waterfall and upland, but, or you can just pick man. one. Favorite bird to hunt. God, that's a toughie. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I'm going to have to say I do love just sitting in a slough and you know, seeing a flock of mallards pitch in. I mean, there's one thing to be said about, you know, a flock of ducks that are locked up and just coming in. Um, that's, that's pretty to watch. You know, they react to the call. Um, but then at the same time, hearing that rooster cackle when he gets up. So I'm going to say mallards for, okay. you know, um, although I do love widgeon. Widgeon are, widgeon are probably Ooh, okay. they're, they're gorgeous. Um, and, um, but as far as, you know, upland birds, I mean, that rooster cackle is something. Um, mm. you hear that thing get up. Uh, I don't know what it is about hens, and I don't know if this is for you, but I feel like hens always hold tighter and they just hundred percent, man. hundred <laughs> percent. They will be. I, I'm taking a water break and we're walking. I'm like, oh shit, there's no birds out here. You you stop, you get mm -hmm. some water, and then a hen will flush at your feet. So I I, I read about that. Um, because I've had it happen to me a few times as well. Um, and the only thing that people say is that when you're walking, the pheasant knows where you are. Yeah. And then as soon as you stop, the pheasant gets scared. And he's like, oh, hell, where did he go? They're nervous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah for the up. same thing. Because I've had that same thing happen to me before. I'm like, well, and that was a rooster that was holding tight. I mean, actually this year, uh, my friend Ryan, um, the pointers went on on point. Um, his, I rested traveler that day. His boy, Kimpako, went in there, stuck his head in there. Nothing got up. And the pointers were still there. And the dogs were kind of sniffing around. And so Ryan walked over there to basically tell the dogs, hey, get out of here. There's nothing here lifted up a clump of grass and a rooster, <laughs> not crippled or anything was just sitting tight and he grabbed it with <laughs> hands. I mean, it was, a wild, oh that's a wild, it was a wild rooster. Um, Jeez. yeah, it was pretty, it was, it was like, Oh, there's a rooster under here. Look at that. <laughs> well, look what I found. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I guess. Oh. Yeah. So yeah, as far as your question, uh, I'd say, I'd say mallards on the waterfowl side and then, um, definitely roosters on the, on the upland side. You're just a classy guy, man. You're just, you're, you're old school kind of classic old soul. <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> I mean, I, my, my favorite show is Andy Griffith. So there's a, well, oh, I explained so much. You're yeah, like a, of, you're like an 80 year old in a 30 year old body. or I, however I, old do you have, are. I do have some old man habits. So <laughs> <that is> <laughs> I love, I have an old man body in my thirties. <laughs> every, every day. Hey, yeah, the good thing about upland hunting is you get a little, get in a little bit of shape and you got to walk. Yeah. yeah. That's why I keep telling my wife. She's like, why don't you go to the gym anymore? I was like, I upland hunt. Dude, Same you, thing. You, 10, 12 miles through those cattails, man. 100%. That's, that's, work, that's a workout. Cardio, <laughs> strength. That's right. Mental clarity. I mean, it's, it's a little bit of everything. <laughs> um, all right, a couple more here. Um, oh, a beverage of choice after a hunt. And I think I know what you're going to say, but I want specifics. Well, I'm, I might surprise you here. Oh, okay. So if it's, you know, a tailgate beverage and we're just kind of hanging out, it's, it's going to be, you know, for the farmers, the bush light. 
Um, oh, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a cheap, I'm a cheap beer guy and fancy bourbon guy. Okay. Um, okay. My, uh, light. Wow. Yeah, buddy. It's for the farmers, man. It's for the old soul. Um, good. So, and then, you know, if I'm back at the hotel or the lodge or wherever, then I'm going to pour myself a, a, a good bourbon. Okay. Uh, probably a Woodford. Um, Woodford. Okay. I like four roses. That's a good pour. Okay. Basil Hayden's isn't bad. Um, oh yeah. That's a good one. My, uh, my dad has a, I don't know if you saw this the other day, I posted it. Um, he has a handwritten list of bourbons that he has tried and he keeps it in his wallet. Oh, I don't, I don't think I saw this. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. I thought he was BSing me for years, about four or five years ago. I was like, dad, there's no way. And he sure enough pulls this list out of his wallet. It's handwritten of bourbons that he's trying. So, oh man. Yeah. I got the, the bourbon snobbiness from, from him. That's so, cool though. That's cool. Yeah. What, what what are you drinking right now? Uh, Jefferson's actually. Okay. Okay. It was, I, I, it was on the com- it was on the company dime. So I was like, man, I can't go all out and get like you know, <laughs> reserve. So I'll just get sure, sure. So. <laughs> oh, Woodford Woodford Reserve. I I just got into bourbons maybe, gosh, two years ago maybe. I, I was just straight beer before that. It's, it's getting yeah. more popular. Yes, yeah, I've I've, I've tried a few, but not not a whole lot. There's some good ones out there, man. Uh, oh, I bet. I bet you you might have to send me your like top. Top I can three, do that. maybe. Do <laughs> Send me your top I, three. I, I nothing too crazy. Nothing, we got five kids. So nothing, no. um, there's a bourbon from Colorado, uh, Breckenridge. Oh, they, okay. It's not bad. It's not okay. bad. I now, will have to try the, that. The bourbon purists will say it can't be bourbon if it's not from Kentucky. But oh, sure. um, there, there, are, there are some good ones that are not from Kentucky. Uh, yeah, so. we, we have to expand and, uh, and, and evolve, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> All right. I'm going to ask you just a couple uh, fun uh, questions here that are okay. not really on my list. Favorite airlines to fly? Ooh, Delta. Favorite hotel to stay in? Homewood Suites. Worst airport to travel in? Ooh, that's either Philly always screws me with the delays. I'm going to say Philly. Atlanta's a pain in the ass to get around. So between those two, they're my two least favorite. And your favorite airport? Uh, probably Charlotte. Charlotte's pretty easy to navigate. So probably Charlotte. Okay. Okay. Uh, favorite rental car company. Oh, national all day long. <laughs> okay. You're, they, you're they always give me upgrades. So, Oh, well, pretty, that's yeah. easy. <laughs> that's easy. Um, and I think, I think that's it. Those are, we're off, uh, off the cuff. So <laughs> again, you get, to know, you get to know these travel companies pretty well after oh, seven I bet. years of it. So, um, if anybody's looking at booking a flight, and they're really big on like staying in touch with people. Delta gives free texting. Oh, nice. Okay. So it is nice. And I think their planes are a little bit more up to date. So if you're on a longer flight, chances are you might have a TV on the seat. So oh, that's nice. But either um, way, both of them serve Woodford, American and Delta. They serve Woodford. Oh, well, <laughs> you, need make like, you need to make like a, uh, a travel, uh, <laughs> travel blog. I, I, um, uh, hold on. Did I send that to you? I did it? just make a, uh, I don't think you, you sent it to. No, I didn't send it to you. It should, it should get published uh, next month. Oh, nice! Um, I did a, a goofy, funny packing list for hunting trips and stuff. So. Oh, that's hilarious! <laughs> that's cool. No, I think you did send me that one. Was it the Nomads packing list? Yes. Yeah, yeah, you did. Okay. yeah, yeah. Or Nimrods, rather, Nimrods, not Nimrods. Nimrods. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you did send it to me. Um. Oh, very cool, man. I was gonna mention one more thing, but. I spaced, 
But anyways, um, Chris, this has been a, this has been a blast, man. We're already going on a little over an hour. This is uh, flown by. Wow, that's that's impressive. I know <laughs> it, it is. Well, dude, thanks so much for your time. How can uh, if people want to kind of stay up to date and just follow along? What's your uh, what's your Instagram handle? So uh, Instagram is the Hunting Traveler, and that's with two L's in Traveler. Okay, okay. And did you have a did you put a website up yet or no? Yeah. So I uh, I was tr- especially with the writing. I'm I'm you know trying to get the name out a little bit. Um, and and just also you know spe- especially if people don't have a Boykin, they're not going to see the Boykin Spaniel Society articles that I do. Um, so that's um, thehuntingtraveler.com. Um, I'm getting some more stuff up there soon, but you know, some of it's going to be blogging. Um, you know, obviously have your, your podcast up there as well. Um, but just, uh, mostly, like I said, funny, I'll try and maybe do some, a few informational stuff, but mostly just funny stories. Um, I think there's so much stuff to enjoy when you're hunting, whether it's, you know, seeing the sights and seeing the dog work, but also there's enjoyment from the comedy that we have, you know, the funny times, the time the guy fell over and, you know, in the water in his waders and you know, <laughs> it's just, you know, dumb stuff like that, that only really hunters are going to get and, and sure. understand. So yeah. Um, the hunting traveler.com. Um, I just got it up this week actually. Um, but it, it has a few things on it now, but I'm adding more to it. So. Okay. Um, Fantastic. I will, uh, I'll link that in the uh, description of this episode. It, absolutely. Absolutely, man. Well, Chris, thank you so much for your time, man. Again, this has been a blast. Uh, just getting to know you more, hearing about the Boykins, just, just right. your story and all that good stuff. It's these Boykins, man. I I do really love them. Uh, if they're, I ever if I ever growing. deviated, if I deviated uh, from the Brittany ever, uh, a Boykin yeah, would be in consideration. Yeah, the the Boykin army is growing, man. It's uh you know if you ever decide you want to go the Flusher route. Yeah. I was joking my buddy and I said, well, the, you know the Brittany's just a. Uh, a white and orange uh, yeah. pointing yeah. points exactly, <laughs> and kind of, maybe vice versa. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think they're cool looking dogs, and yeah, it's just a different different style and all that. But they yeah. share. It sounds like they share a lot of the same, you know, characteristics of that, of, you know, being a spaniel and all that. But yeah, it's what it's what makes us love them. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, but, uh, yeah I appreciate you having me on, man. It's been it's been a fun one. So absolutely. Thank well, thank you, Chris uh, Midget. Yes. Correct. Majet. All right. (laughs) I got it. Uh, Well, thanks again, man. Love having you on and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Likewise, buddy. Appreciate it, man. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. That is a wrap of episode 32, uh, last episode of 2021. Again, thank you so much. Thank you to Chris for jumping on here. Loved getting to know you more, brother. And uh, I look forward to uh, maybe getting uh, getting a hunt in with you. Uh, maybe January, Nebraska. Well, we'll see what, we'll see what happens, man. Um, hey, I just want to thank you. Uh, thanks again to my sponsors, uh, Yukonuba, Sporting Dog, Gunner Kennels, Trinity Bretons, and Pointer Traditions. Thanks so much for helping support the podcast. It means so much to me. Um, Hey guys, have a great Christmas. Uh, Happy New Year. Uh, Enjoy some time with your family and your bird dogs. And if you're not lucky enough to hunt with or own a Brittany, any bird dog is better than no bird dog. Go put some miles on those boots. Have fun.